right, guys, welcome to the 14th episode of Below the Bar. In this episode, expect to find out about the biggest scandals of the COVID pandemic, how much Matt Hancock got paid for his I'm a Celeb appearance, and why you're a helmet if you run around Hyde Park in combat fatigues. Let's get into it. Before this episode starts, I would like to make a quick announcement. I'll be hosting a military preparation seminar day on the 22nd of July at Forder's Gym in Birmingham. We have sourced industry-leading experts to cover a range of topics, including performance nutrition, mindset, self-defence, and much more. Tickets are limited, so to secure yours, click the top link in the description. Back to the show. Right, back in another episode, this time we're covering the coronavirus pandemic and the various scandals associated with it. There are many, as you'll come to learn. Exactly. A few series episodes recently as well. We've got the housing one, gone war crimes... Now on to the COVID epidemic. So we're not going to cover any of the nitty gritty, really, any of the details, but we are going to go into our own experiences of lockdown and a little bit more in terms of memorable moments that we can yeah. have some nostalgia about. We err on the side of silly, though. As I said, we're not really going to cover any of the actual science no. or you know seriousness of the pandemic. No one we, wants to be drawn back. Yeah, into exactly. 2020, P- PTSD vibes, yeah. isn't it, really? Exactly. So we'll keep it light-hearted, as always. However, first, as always, we've got our helmet of the week to go through. Yeah. Uh, pretty ad hoc one today, and you'll find out why. Go on, Eddie. Yeah, so this is this is the concept of the Zone 4 PT slash online coach, yeah. which we've been aware of for a while, but for some reason they just seem to be even more prevalent than usual. Well, ever present on my. So, uh, I don't know whether algorithm. I don't know whether it's because we've fed the algorithm probably that little nugget of interest, so it's now coughing up more, or whether they're just more. Well, I feel like we need to do some zone four admin first. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so describe what zone four coach is. Yeah. So if you know what zone four is, it's heart rate zone, right? So we, we refer to anything where any where people like throw the kitchen sink at something yeah. as like a zone four approach. So zone four is like. You know, 80-90% of your heart rate when you're running. So it's essentially like max chat. So you're going like max effort. So these coaches, what we think anyway, is they program their clients max effort every single time. Like you're going to max out your reps so you're going to max out your strength stuff or you're just going to go and send it on every single run. Yeah, so and that isn't coaching. Yeah, so at, fa- at face value, someone that isn't really kind of clued up on uh, fitness, the, the zone four approach seems appealing. But it's actually a very inefficient way to progressively overload. Yeah, because once you've gone all the way in, clearly you haven't got any space to go any further. Yeah. Um, but it's, it, it's a, like you say, for a beginner, someone who isn't in the loop, you feel like because you're working really hard every session, you feel like I'm progressing here. I feel like I'm working really hard. Whereas someone else's approach, someone who's you know less zone four, um, <laughs> might you might start their program and think actually I'm not fucking really working really hard here. I'm, I'm like you know I'm. 70% effort every every time but actually that's how you progress and that's how you have longevity in the program if you're zone 4 all the time you know week 1, 2, 3 and 4 you're just going to burn out yeah whereas if you're you know 70, 60, 70% all the time and then maybe a little bit of the week you're going harder that's a better way to go about it because then you can stick to that program for 10, 12, 16 weeks to actually yield proper results yeah, right, so let's actually let's actually dig into why that we fucking hate zone four coaches, basically, yeah. and it's certain individuals again. Sure. Certain individuals, yeah, yeah, which, so, which we'll get into. So basically, from what I can gather, or my exposure to it, zone four coaches tend to be ex-military, and they effectively input their own lived experiences onto clients. Yeah, so it's so it happens not just with the military; it happens a lot in PT and in coaching. You'll see it 
where the coach does CrossFit, so the client does CrossFit, or the coach does Carnival, so the client does Carnival. Yeah, which is another bugbear of ours, because that's, again, poor coaching. It's bollocks Not because... everyone's the same, and not everyone has the same goals, needs, and ambitions. Well, the whole point of personal training, or <laughs> bespoke training, yeah. is that it's predicated on the individual's wants and needs. Yeah. You're not pushing the coach's hobbies and you know lifestyle traits onto that individual. Because, like you say, not everyone's the same. Not everyone wants that. No one needs that. So, um, you know, I do a lot of functional fitness and CrossFit. Do all my clients do that? No, because they don't all need it. If they come to me and they say, I've got a hypertrophy goal, I program them for hypertrophy. I don't program them for what I do because it's just not conducive to their goals. Um, and so, yeah, you're right. A lot of ex-military seem to have this approach because yeah. they've gone into the military and, you know, got fit by doing various zone four, zone five fees. And then they've got into the military and done more of that. And they, they are fit individuals, but, but because it's worked for them, they then press it onto their clients. Yeah, so telltale signs of a Zone 4 coach, if you come across them on social media, they're probably in Civvy Street now, but still live most of their life in combat fatigues. They're, they're normally probably doing fizz with a weight vest, again, in Civvy Street. So out of context, if you deconstruct that, it's a bit fucking daft, isn't it? Yeah. If you're running around Hyde Park, in fucking car- cargo trousers with a weight vest, thrashing yourself, and there's a kid on a play part behind you. You know, you're sending yeah. mixed signals there. Yeah, and the big point is, you know, if you're wearing cargo pants and boots to do fizz. Yeah, and, and, and you're not still a, you're not still serving in the even military. Even if you are still serving in the military, <laughs> if you're putting that on your Instagram, right? You're a hat. Yeah, you're a helmet. Yeah. Um, and, and he's certain individuals. But the, the individual... Yeah, we've got to. Th- this is all come about from this individual who's rent free in your head. So you've got to, you've got to. Fucking, I feel like I've got to expose him. You are. Can he expose himself, right? So if any of you ever heard of, um, he's called on Instagram. I won't use his full, his full name. But he's on Instagram. He's uh, he's Commando Conditioned HQ, right? Uh, and the reason that I'm I'm outing him, <laughs> well, he's effectively outed himself here. Yeah, he he, he bit first. This is true. So he commented on one of my, he, well, about three weeks ago, he replied to one of my stories being very passive-aggressive, asking me, basically, do I know what I'm about? Um, and then, this week, commented on one of our posts, sort of insinuating the same, about, you know, some sort of prehab stuff that I was posting. Um, you might have seen it, if you're, you know, that, if you're that invested into my content, you're probably not. Um, so he, yeah, he commented back, trying to, like, pick, pick a fight, pick yeah, holes he in he used a lot doing. of fucking big words, which again is always a red flag because that screams gatekeeper to me. It screams gatekeeper and it screams someone who's trying to push like their intelligence onto, you know, well, it's, some, it's, it's, someone else. He's trying to create the illusion of intelligence. Well, that's what I mean. Really? So I think this again is a common trait in a lot of coaches is they'll talk to clients how they, like tr- trying to sound smart and then the client just can't identify with what they're saying and doesn't really take anything on board. Yeah, it was the um, mark of someone that truly understands their discipline is being able to distill it down for people that aren't so clued upon it. Yeah, exactly. So you put it in simple terms, yeah. effectively. Uh, and right, so he's, he's took it. He's took issue with my content, right? And I won't go into too much into what, what I posted and what he took issue of because it is ridiculous. But I then, as you, as you would do, gone through his content, right? And it's fucking shit. Yeah. <laughs> to go yeah, a long yeah. story short, yeah. I'll, we, I'll save you the time and effort. It's uh, shit. I mean, yeah. So we went through a lot of reels, right? And he he says a lot without saying anything, which to be fair is linked to what we're going to go go into today. Um, so a lot, <laughs> a lot of a lot of politicians do this. You know, they throw a lot of shit at the wall, but nothing really sticks. So there's a lot, lot of vo- there's a lot of noise coming out of his mouth, but he's not actually giving you anything solid that you can take away that's tangible and then 
input into your own life. Yeah, and look, this is just how we feel, having viewed it through the through the eyes of people who actually feel like we know what we're doing. If you're if you feel different, then feel free to comment. If you you know if you feel feel this content has helped you in any way, then brilliant. Um, however, the other prob the last point on this, the other problem I have with this is why are you calling people out in public? Yeah. If you've got a problem, that's fine, but go and sort it, you know, privately behind sort of closed doors in, in like a message box. You don't have to cut, you know, go into the public eye and try and take someone down because it's just bad taste, isn't it? It's not professional. Yeah. It's it's especially if like we both come from the same background, right? We both got the same kind of roots. So you would imagine he wants to see me be successful, I'd like to see him be successful, all that sort of stuff. Which I, I definitely do think with with most people. Most are, are people in that that we come space. across, but we just got a different vibe from yeah from this try, particular trying individual. To, trying to pick holes in someone's content for for really no reason, um, and trying to you know tear down their whatever reputation, whatever. I'd never think of doing that. Like, well, no, I, I think this is the first time we've done it, really, isn't it? Well, no, and only because we've been provoked. Yeah. So, like, the the only the only thing I can I can think is why are you spending time out of your day writing like fucking essays in my comment section you know you go go and use that time for for something else all right you yeah you got a finite time on this earth right let's get too deep but don't fucking <laughs> or don't, you don't use it calling other people out because it's just useless useless waste of time yeah effectively yeah so on that rather kind of negative opening gambit I think yeah. we'll move on from the Zone 4 coach. Yeah, we will. But uh, keep your eye out for them because they are everywhere. Right? They are everywhere, yeah. And as I said, you'll see them in combat fatigues or open-toe sandals. <laughs> yeah. Right, so now to move on to the main topic of today's podcast. Yeah. This is the COVID pandemic. So some basic COVID housekeeping. You know, we've got to cover housekeeping early doors. Let's, I think, discuss our own experiences of lockdown to start off with. And then we'll get into our top three kind of what the fuck moments of the coronavirus pandemic yeah this is all blind as well we don't know each other's um, which is obviously quite good we might have the same ones potentially um so yeah we lived the very different lockdown didn't we yeah i think so go through yours first if you want them then i'll come through mine yeah so some quick background context at the start of the pandemic and at the start or the tail end of 2019 going into 2020 i was doing my master's degree in manchester so ironically, I was probably one of the first people exposed to coronavirus, mm-hmm. given the heavy population of kind of uh, Southeast Asian Chinese students in Manchester. Yeah. The chances are that it was actually in the UK a lot sooner than we thought it was. Yeah, definitely. So it honestly wouldn't surprise me if I actually had it yeah. under, under the guise of like a flu or a cold. Because I, was, a lot I, of that going I was ill while I was doing yeah. my master's, but not realising it was COVID. So much of that going around. I was in... To, I was in Norway, so I was going out to Norway in December of 2019, and I felt fucking horrendous. And I was hor- like, for the for the first week, of probably Norway, COVID, was, and it probably was. Um, and then it sort of died down. And then in the in the news, the next couple of weeks, it started to come out in Wuhan that things were going wrong. Yeah. So it's cut. Long story short, uh, as soon as we went into lockdown, they wrapped in person teaching, obviously. So I spent the second half of my master's degree basically doing my dissertation from the comfort of my bedroom. Which is effectively like solitary confinement. Because I would wake up, go for a walk, you know, do my hour of you know, exercise, exercise exercise yard fizz yeah. in the morning, yeah. uh, and then I would then kind of bed down for the day, do my usual work day of uh, uni work, and then in the evening I would just kind of binge Netflix, which is 
that kind of lifestyle isn't conducive to good mental health. No, and that's the lifestyle that most people fell into, really, yeah. isn't it? So, yeah, I had a completely different experience, really. So, I was, like I say, in Norway. That So, from January 2020 till March of 2020, I was in Norway. And basically, the exercise I was on got called because of, because of COVID. So, it was a big international exercise. We were out on ship, and it came across comms that every nation was pulling out of the, of the, of the exercise yeah. and typical fucking England right they were like oh we'll just carry on there fuck it we'll carry on on our own well um, this mirrors then, the government policy yeah. at the time of like then, oh well no global pandemic's going to stop us yeah and then the Norwegians were like well no you won't get out of our country you yeah. fucking so it, was basically, so it was basically a race against time for you to get back to the UK yeah, before so you got, then get barred from your own country exactly so we got rushed back to the UK sat in a conference room and said they said lads we don't know what's going on really um, all we're going to do is send you home and uh, whatever we hear we're going to feed back to you but you'll be at home until further notice and just check in once a day it's basically what we had to do went home on full pay which is a dream um after norway i've been away for like four months obviously yeah. you want a bit of time at home anyway uh, so went home literally had to send a whatsapp message every day at 8 30 saying i'm still alive i haven't got covid job done and that's that's you for the day basically until anything else came about we were home for like eight weeks before even going back for like a, a week or a range package or whatever it was but we were home for ages. Um, I was with my girlfriend at the time. God rest her soul. She's not dead. Yeah. Just to yeah. clarify, she's not dead. She's alive yeah. and not under his patio. <laughs> anyway, uh, so, so I, went, I went to live with her. <laughs> yeah, so basically, hadn't seen, we hadn't seen each other for three months because of Norway um, and so I had the op- the choice essentially to spend the next four however long was going to was COVID was going to go on for which obviously on your own on, on our own or Rod- s- Roger or, or senseless or see each other <laughs> so I went and lived with her um, for like the, the foreseeable future um, and then yeah basically moved in with her family which is quite a strange you know I'd never really met them I'd met yeah, them so once this, or twice this is where our experiences of lockdown really diverged I think because yeah. obviously you were with your missus in their family home yeah and i was on my own effectively obviously i live with my parents but like we 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 lived very different kind of yeah our circadian rhythms were were out of (laughs) out of sync effectively yeah so 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 you were basically constantly around people and i wasn't is what i'm trying to say to this yeah and and to be fair you know (laughs) the credit to them they took me in and fucking made me feel like yeah you had a pretty sweet to be fair to, to be fair in terms of Obviously, being paid from work and having effectively leave, which was awesome anyway, and would have been awesome at home, being, like you say, surrounded by people um, and in a decent environment made it even better. And so, um, yeah, the first bit of lockdown was was sweet. Eight weeks in, I think then we went back for like three days to do our annual shooting test. So they brought us back in like stages, about 10 lads at a time to keep us up to date on because all you have to do as a soldier pretty much is stay deployable. So you have to be up to date in your annual tests. Yeah. And that's pretty much it. And yeah, so COVID. don't get really fat and don't go blind effectively. Exactly that. <laughs> so that was our that was our mission statement for the, for the eight weeks. And so we went back, 
did our shooting package, came back, and actually, as a side note, this is where HS Fitness was born. Um, so, so yeah, I was going to say this. This actually did your personal brand a massive favour because it like, I didn't it, have one before. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it basically gave you a shitload of free time to get HS Fitness off the ground, didn't it? Yeah, exactly that. So, I mean, looking back at it now, it was a mega positive thing. So, I was on the way back from Bovington, which is about a three hour, three and a half hour drive yeah. to where we were. Um, and in the car, my mind seems to like wander, like I think everyone's does, doesn't it? Uh, um, you have got ADHD as well. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, that's probably why. And I was thinking, you know what, I've done this fucking course now, I haven't done anything with it, so surely there's something I can do. Uh, and luckily, my missus at the time was a graphic designer. Again. God another, rest her soul. Another, another W. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So she's a graphic designer. So again, I was like, on the, on the blower to her, I was like, surely there's a way to do this. She was like, yeah, you can make websites pretty easy to be fair. I was yeah. like, right, so. So I just did that, and, and again, I had tons of free time to go and action all those sort of things, and and it was brilliant because I had money coming in from my job, and I could just spend all my time just working this out. So, actually, yeah, did did me a lot, lot of favors. Yeah, I mean, it squared my dissertation away as well, well in fairness, because yeah. it's all I had to concentrate on. There was no distraction of like going out at a weekend or well, socialising at all. Effectively, yeah. there was massive upsides. You know, to, to COVID, I think. Um, or to that first lockdown, and I think after that, it got... Yeah, and obviously, shit. so, like, 44 million people ha- were tested positive for COVID between early 2020 and, like, mid-2022. Mm. So, like, the majority of the country tested positive, and then, according to the statistics, 227,000 people died in the UK with COVID listed as one of the causes of death. Yeah, on their this, bed. Was, this was the thing, wasn't it? It was a bit convoluted where... People were going into hospital with something else that was, and it was getting to kill them, and they yeah. were getting COVID in hospital, yeah, and then dying, and then uh, as a result being being put as a COVID death. But yeah. we're obviously, you know, we're saying it's positive for us because you know individually it was really it wasn't like a massive issue. We we're at home. No, we, we were in an f- incredibly privileged position, weren't we? In, like, we yeah, understand exactly. that for a lot of people, they had very different experiences of COVID. Yeah, we're just recounting ours. Um, but yeah, again. The first one was pretty positive because I was off work for, for free, essentially. And then um, we went back rather early, to be fair. So a lot of other units um, had fucking ages off. They had so long. Um, and we went back first because our sergeant manager was like, they're not fucking freeloading anymore. <laughs> they're not taking the piss yeah, anymore. proper. They're um, ten a penny in the middle of the job. Yeah, people like, like that. get a grip, man. Yeah. Um, and then me, me and my mate were like trying to play the game a little bit more. And we were like, right, so you don't care about our health then. Right, sound. So I, I just feel like, you know, we're not cared about in our, yeah. in our unit now. And we're like, so you're telling me four twos sergeant major cares more about their health than you care about ours, is it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and we've just been beating our beds basically trying to get more time off. Um, but yeah, so he, he brought us back. We did what training we could do, which wasn't a massive amount. They basically just brought us back for a token gesture. Um, we didn't do much work. And but then, your remaining time in the Corps, like your like, final year and a bit in the Corps, you weren't really properly like soldiering were you effectively because it was hampered by covid yeah so like obviously you can imagine the restrictions and stuff mean that if you're gonna plan an exercise where people have got to share a bivy bag or share a a bash or whatever you can't you can't do that because you have to be eight meters apart whatever it was so you basically got like a soft leave yeah didn't you yeah because it was like so it was so protracted there wasn't like that like there wasn't a day where you were like right now i'm in the court there obviously was a day where you were in the court and then the following day you weren't yeah but like there was a good transition period for you because like we were saying you could get your fitness brand off the ground yeah definitely it definitely helped a lot um and to be fair 
you know you look back and it's it, you can connect the dots looking backwards can't you you can't look, do it looking forwards but moving to Solihull where I did I then had proximity to the gym I would eventually work in yeah <laughs> which I didn't know at the time I didn't I hadn't even heard of it at the time of lockdown um, it turned out to be my missus parents gym that they went to and then I was leaving as a like aspiring PT they needed a PT so I was like sweet yeah that's where I worked then for the next 12 months so it's, it's like it's one of them it's, it's a bit strange um, obviously looking back you can kind of connect things and be like oh shit that happened because of X but um, yeah it's interesting I think again we had probably make a positive relatively experience because we, we basically kind of insulated ourselves from all the shit that was going on effectively yeah. and again that wasn't really any that wasn't through any choice of our own it just happened to be the circumstances that we were in yeah but we didn't have any family that were working on the front line in the NHS no well my, Mrs. Mom was in works in the NHS, so he's like was mega interested in it all. Right. So we were, we did have like you know the briefings on every night and all. It was proper. Oh yeah, we did that. Today. that was fucking that that got very old very quickly. That yeah. Day. In fact, that was. I mean, we have feelings about watching like twenty four hour news channels anyway, and how we have a theory that it's actually incredibly bad for your mental yeah, health. Yeah, I think it's de- detrimental. But certainly, particularly nowadays. in the middle of a global pandemic, you don't want to constantly be reminding yourself of the fact that you're living through a global pandemic. <laughs> True. I think it's important to know because. There's so much uncertainty at that time. It's important to have, I think, your finger on the pulse of it a little bit because you are living each day like, right, how long is this going to go on for? What are the developments? So I think it was important at that time. But now, you're right, like watching loads of news, it's I don't think yields any shit. positive benefit because it is all bad news. <laughs> and as we will learn, a lot of the shit that the government say isn't true anyway. Yeah. So you're only effectively fucking telling... You're only telling yourself lies by watching. Yeah, you just hearing what they want you to hear essentially so um, so after the, the first lockdown which I think of as like that heat wave lockdown yeah what really actually didn't. fucking happened after that because all there the was blur. a mix in the summer wasn't there where they had to eat out to help out bollocks right, that was shit mental it, yeah um, in hindsight but well, then we did another lockdown didn't we I can never well, remember that, when this uh, was let's focus on this eat out to help out a little bit right so so but this is one of my points though that I was going to go into okay, we should okay. be saying we'll we'll part of that thought because um, because under that umbrella are the ludicrous fucking restrictions that they put in whereby yes, you can yeah. you can't get on the piss unless you sat down at a table. Yeah. So COVID doesn't exist until, <laughs> until you're until you're stood up. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you're prone, COVID can't get you. <laughs> yeah. If you're in a ghillie suit. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, no, so the summer I think it was like relaxed. And then yeah, oh yeah, and then and then it peaked again because we went into winter. Mm. So obviously, virus is a lot more prevalent in winter yeah, so anyway. Then things started to peak. So, so we had that winter lockdown. That didn't was we? shit. That, that was, was shit. shit See, I had a missus at this point. Oh yeah. So, uh, uh, trust me to get a missus during a global pandemic. Yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Definitely social distancing. Whoop. He's got a Hancock. Yeah, trust. That's another point. Um, yes. Yeah, so that second lockdown was what? What months was that like? I want to say, like, end was of, it... End of the year? Was it straight up... No, was it during Christmas or after Christmas? After. Yeah, so it was basically... Sure it was, was it, like, Christmas. January to, like, February, like January March, March or something? Yeah, yeah so we did, yeah. like, a few months. That was when I was working in the hospitals, and that was shit. That was shit for you. Slightly better for me, because I had a missus, so I wasn't on my own anymore. That's it. Uh, but equally, very dull. Every day was a ground dog day, and it was yeah. winter. And it's winter, this is the point. So you don't even have the mental health relief of good weather. And also, the novelty's worn off now. Yeah, cause it's because now you like, kind of know, right, so, so you might have had it or your mate might have had it, whatever, and they've not, you know, 
they've not died, have they? Yeah, because it, it, it was all right for most people. Because at this point, we were basically going back into lockdown for the elderly and the vulnerable. Yeah, so, so it was, if it was you, a bit more of a, so a if, social So thing, a lot it? of young people were kind of getting a bit threaders at yeah. this point because they were like, well, my life's now on hold again. <clears throat> yeah, and we know that obviously there was the projection uh, projection forward for like the next few years of the economy, which we're now living through, being fucked because we were locked down, all that sort of stuff. So yeah, I was back at work at this point and they had a bit more of a plan to use us this time <laughs> rather yeah. than just send us home. So to like, your okay. detriment. Yeah, yeah, they were like, right, sweet, so you're going to fucking help out in the hospital. So basically, they sent us to local hospitals in the local area, which was Dorchester and Weymouth, which aren't busy hospitals, as you might imagine. Um, so we were in Premier Inns for like nine weeks. So we're living in a Premier Inn for nine weeks. It doesn't sound too bad, right? You think, oh yeah, brilliant. <laughs> which is good for like a week. And then you're in a Premier Inn for fucking nine weeks. So um, you were like, basically like Alan Partridge. I was going to say, you were literally, if you've ever seen Alan Partridge, he was living out of a travel tavern. Yeah. Uh, and so obviously no cooking facilities, no restaurant in the hotel because it's COVID and it was closed. Um, so we had to live on like takeout food, which I fucking hate. It makes you feel shit. Or the the h- hospital which again is- canteen, which is also shit. And so we had like a nine to five shift and every bloke was like a- attached to a different a different department in the hospital so we were working with the cleaner department right that's got to be the, that's got to be the short straw hasn't it there was a lot of short straws going about mate to be fair there was porters so they're just ferrying shit around the hospital there was like uh cleaning is not in cleaning it, was so cleaning's shit. bad it's not in my wheelhouse either no it's really not because as we know toilet boy admin <laughs> not really got his cleaning square speaking right. of toilet boy right um so the, this hospital as i mentioned wasn't overran at this point the ones in london mega busy all that sort of stuff the ones in Dorchester were pretty normal in terms yeah. of busyness, and so the cleaning department weren't overstretched, but we were st- we were there as like spare bolts, and so the the hierarchy of the cleaning department would like put their actual cleaners on hold and use us. So they'd be like, right, you go and clean the toilet, you go fucking wipe the banisters down, and then Mister Blobby over here, who's actually the fucking cleaner, yeah, he's doing, just doing fuck all. Yeah. And I was like, this is bollocks. I'm cutting around, right. With Royal Marines Commando on my shoulder, <laughs> a green lid on my head, and I'm fucking wiping down a toilet in hospital. Yeah, no, to make, matters, to, make, to make matters worse, you're not even cleaning away skidders. You're cleaning away the bleach that you've just put down 20 minutes earlier. Yeah, exactly, because obviously they're mega anal about it. It was mad, though. So, going, obviously, at some points, we would work actually on the COVID wards and clean stuff down. And they had a mega good system at that point. Second lockdown, everyone knows what's going yeah. on. So, you're getting all your PPE going on. Um, you go in in protracted. Um, so the the sort of patients would leave you'd have a cooling off period then you'd go in clean there's mega procedure about it and I was thinking imagine the first lockdown of these busy hospitals Carnage. where shit just happened yeah. and like overnight they would need to come up with these mad contingency plans and have no PPE and just like improvise yeah. it must have been mental and obviously yeah. I didn't see that because I was, I was there in the second lockdown but it was mad mate like there was so much going on and I can imagine it would have been horrendous in the first first instance and we were testing every day because obviously we're working in the hospitals. We weren't supposedly allowed home over those nine weeks because we were working in the hospitals all week. And they'd be like, oh, what if you've got COVID? Yeah, then uh, you bring you take the home hospital. and you come back. And I was like, right, well, where are the doctors going every night? They yeah. going home, are they? Yeah, they are, aren't they? And so I was trying to be in my bed again. Well, the, the well, this is, well this is, I see what your point, but like some some NHS workers did genuinely like live in the caravan on their front drive oh, all no. through the coronavirus yeah. Yeah, which adds insult to injury when we get into the various fucking government rule breaking yeah, we'll that, that we went on we'll get into that in a minute 
But anyway, well, yeah. I just remembered that through the second lockdown, I, I was a fucking painter and decorator. Oh, you were, yeah. <laughs> Which is fucking, like, I'd completely forgotten about that. Yeah, that's on brand for you, though. Yeah, you yeah. Like it. You yeah like if it. you hate HMRC, look away now. But I was basically <laughs> just working as a cashing hand painter and decorator. So, uh, a lad that we went to school with has an older brother who was opening, like, a sports bar venue. Uh, and he was just like he knew I was pretty handy so like I built this bar that we filmed this you can see now podcasting yeah so if, if you're watching you can see it see it's uh, work. so he was like well I don't want to pay a proper painter and decorator and I can't get hold of them anyway because yeah. we're in a lockdown why don't you come and work for me uh, just as like a 9 to 5 and get this squared away because there's no real time pressure on opening because we're in a lockdown uh, and I'll, it was pretty fucking sweet deal to be honest because I just rock up at nine put my fucking airpods in yeah listen to podcasts and music while I'm rolling all day it was incredibly soothing for the mind yeah especially in a pandemic exactly everyone else is probably there you know working from home or whatever they were doing at that point it was mad so I think there's um, so by that point obviously like I say the the novelty's worn off everyone's a bit sick of it no one wants to be locked away anymore and it's a winter and so it's darker more, so you get that SAD, you know, yeah. seasonal. I suffer from that badly. You do, yeah, but I think really everyone bad. does. Yeah, oh yeah, um, especially... Especially in, in a... that kind of thing, because you're not even getting outside when it is light. Um, and then you have people who are working from home for more, so you're not seeing people. We're social animals, aren't we? So you need yeah. to be in, in, in contact with people. If you're just working at home all the time, I find it sometimes, obviously... As an online coach, mainly it's me and my laptop, right, yeah. tapping away. Even if I'm speaking to people on Zoom, I'm not really speaking to people. If I don't go out and like go to a coffee shop or see you, or whatever, I can go days without seeing anyone. Which you start is going a bit, you go a bit stir crazy, don't yeah. you? Yeah, and this is what people were having to deal with for like months on end, and it was must have been terrible because you you do start to go a little bit crazy. Yeah, well, this is the shit side of the pandemic because some people who were isolated under normal circumstances, that was obviously ex- exacerbated by the pandemic. Yeah. And that can't have been nice. Like, if you're an elderly person with like, mobility issues and you can't get out and see people, like that must have been fucking horrendous. Even for like younger people, so people you know, who live in like, tiny flats. People who spend loads of money to be to rent in like London or whatever. Actually saw them off a bit really, didn't they? Really bad, because they obviously take a hit on a little bit of um, space, right? because they're not going to be in that apartment <laughs> yeah. much. Because they're going to be out and about, living in the place they're wanting to live, but lockdown hits, and they've all of a sudden got to stay in their like three square foot front room. But they're caught, be, caught between a rock and a hard place though, because it's like, well, we can either move back in with my parents, where there's obviously more space, but then I'm paying rent on a property in London I'm that I'm not it. using, or you yeah. can stay in the prison to feel like you're getting your money's worth. And then you and then your mental health goes down the toilet. Yeah, and there was a lot of that as well. I probably covered that, shouldn't we? Like. The, um, the actual effect of the lockdown in terms of not just bringing down cases, which is obviously what it did, but well, it's actually affecting in, mental health. In hindsight now, obviously, obviously, hindsight's a great thing. You don't know at the time, but we, we didn't get the balance right between lockdowns and reopening, did we? No, not so Because I, I think we completely oversaw the impact on mental health and prioritised yeah. too much bringing the actual <clears throat> caseload down, even after the vaccine rollout. Yeah, true. I think there was... And obviously there's the massive economic effects of being in lockdown for so long as well, which we're now kind of pa- paying the price for and probably will do for decades to come. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I thought we'd bring that up. It's obviously a pertinent point that 
a lot of um, a lot of people's mental health did go down because of, of not seeing people or or not getting outside or whatever it is because there was no obviously no chance of doing so. I'm trying to think if there's anything else lot of from our individual experiences of COVID that we need to cover. Oh, and also, but to the towards the end as well, everyone just chinned off this fucking social distancing oh, or something. Yeah, like I was having gatherings in here yeah. pretty much every weekend. Yeah, like towards the end of lockdown. Like, and, and in hindsight, like it's like I'm not bragging that I did it because I know that obviously a lot of people fucking died, but like everyone was doing it, and you're kind of lying to yourself. There was there were very very few individuals that did stick to it and were stringent. A lot of people, a lot of people were kind of paying lip service to it, but then fucking ignoring it basically. Yeah, true. Yeah, it was. Um, it it definitely got old, you know, towards the end, and and the and, government. Uh, well, I was, started to see through. I was going to say, like a massive contributing factor to this shift in attitude was when all of these fucking scandals emerged, basically, which we'll get into, which we will now probably transition into. Yeah, so let's get into the three things. So should we go? Should we alternate? Yeah, you go first if you okay, want. Okay, cool. So my first one is kind of double pronged. So, um, so if you don't remember, <laughs> Atletico Madrid versus Liverpool. Remember that went ahead. So this is early <laughs> on. So niche already, all of it. This is early on in the pandemic. This is. Um, this was a Champions League knockout Champions League game. Champions League knockout game. Yeah, yeah. Just so, before we went into the first lockdown. So let me put some dates to it. Right. So, so it was on the eleventh of March, twenty twenty. Yeah, because I watched this with my uncle, who I was living with at the time mm. while I was doing my masters. So bear in mind hundreds of thousands of Spanish people have now flown into the country and are going to fly back and they're on the piss. And they're on the piss and everyone's packed into a stadium. This is 2 days after <laughs> the 9th of March when Italy went into that massive lockdown. Yeah, so surely so, that's a sign. Yeah, so right, Italy are already <laughs> fucking massively part, locked down. Parts of Europe are fucking hermetically sealing themselves off from everyone else. Yeah. And, and we've we going, gi- yeah, we've given on. the go ahead for a massive Champions League knockout game to take place in a major UK city yeah. whilst the global pandemic's going on. Obviously, this is a massive scandal, so there was there was research done about it. So it's worked out that around 37 people died as a result of this event going ahead. Wow. Um, so like this is mega early on when there wasn't that many cases, but clearly, if oh, actually, if, even if there's that, really. some cases in, in Spain, they're now in Liverpool, and yeah. people obviously travel from all over the UK <laughs> well, to go to that game. You, back say, to their you can guarantee that at least a thousand people that were at Anfield that night then went to fucking Cheltenham the week after. This is what this man, man, man a, next the, double the, prong. <laughs> there is a massive overlap between football fans and horse racing fans. Exactly. So yeah, like like you said, Cheltenham was like the next week or whatever. Yeah, because um, a load of our mates went to it. Yeah, and that was again still two weeks before lockdown. Um, and when Spain had started to lock down, Italy yeah. had fully locked down at that point. China were fucking hemorrhaging cases left, right, and centre. And we were like, nah. But still, uh, yeah, we're, our government we're line. All still, we'll still be safe. Yeah, our government line was still very stiff upper lip, wasn't it? Like well, Boris Johnson. No global pandemic's going to stop us. It was still wash your hands. Yeah, that's our guidance. Wash your hands, wash your knob. Yeah. Wash, wash your hands of any fucking hard evidence. Yeah, exactly, which is what they did. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's my first one. Athletic Madrid versus Liverpool going ahead two days after the Italy lockdown, which, if you remember, the Italy lockdown was a savage lockdown. Do you remember it? Like, yeah. You, there was shit on the news and no one was out any anywhere in the streets. It was mad. But yeah, that's my first one. So, which one should we cover next? Should we go, should we go kind of like obscure or should we do the serious one first? Whatever. We'll do the serious one first. Yeah, it's okay, going to take some unpacking. I'd rather get let's get through all this. Right, so this is the PPE 
contract scandal oh, that emerged following the pandemic. We touched Hancock on this as well. They're all guilty, basically. And this is still coming to light now because this is part of the ongoing COVID inquiry. Yeah, well, it's been recently going on. Yeah, and it will, go on, bit, hasn't it? it will go on for years because no one will ever be fully blamed for it. No. They will just protract it out. Oh, I can blame some people. Yeah, well, exactly. If you look at the evidence, it's pretty easy. So £4 billion of unsuitable PPE was bought in the first year of the pandemic. Yeah. A quarter of all the PPE bought in that first year was effectively out of date. You know what effectively that, that is, though? I think mainly that's because they give these ridiculous targets. So they have to say, okay, we're going to provide this much PPE by this date. And yeah, then, so they just buy a penny off shit. Yeah. But uh, then yeah, a lot of people that were affiliated with the government soon cottoned on to that and took advantage of it, and we will now get into that. Yeah. There was like red tape, wasn't there, and that they could they could they were bypass they were prior they were priority lists. If you found yourself on it, the chances are you would get awarded quite a lucrative PPE contract quite quickly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um, and various various people in the houses of lords cottoned on to that. Yeah, shock. Right. So, uh, oh, as a side point, you know what happened to all of this out of date PPE? They burnt it for energy. So you're, li- you're literally burning money. Yeah. So it I was mean, literally put into a power generator, you know, in the same yeah. way that they burn like wood chip and yeah, coal yeah, yeah, yeah. to fuel our homes. Right. That's <laughs> madness, you know. That's four, mad. Four billion pounds worth of it. Just down the drain. And we'd need we need that now. Yeah. You know? But anyway, so have you heard of Michelle Moan before? No. Right, okay. So she is probably the best example of the kind of murky waters that surrounds the PPE scandal. Okay. So she is Scottish billionaire who made her money in the 90s through lingerie. Nice. In 2015, she was made a lord, well, a dame. Yeah. She was put into the House of Lords by David Cameron. Mm. Anyway, when the COVID scandal emerged, she miraculously discovered that she could get her hands on quite a lot of PPE in, in Hong Kong. Oh, right. Right, yeah. 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 So, so she made the House of Commons aware of this. Uh, then four days later... A company called PPE MedPro was set up. Mm, right. Heard of that. Yeah. Uh, this was then uh, allocated into the priority lane by Lord Agnew, another lord. <laughs> right. And a few weeks down the line, it was awarded a two hundred million pound PPE contract. Right. A few weeks. This is the thing. This is the problem with like, because obviously you don't really know, dear. Because some of these people might be wanting to help. Yeah. which might be fine and this is this might be their effort to help but you can't help but think if you're getting paid 200 million for something there's a little bit of like your own greed going yeah. into that especially with like people who are already that way inclined who already have loads of money yeah so not much was made of this at the time but then in uh, November 2022 a kind of leaked HSB document HSBC document that was picked up by I think the Guardian revealed that Michelle Moan actually received 20 million pounds in kind of discreet payments from this PPE contract that's mad that is crazy uh, and then in December 2022 she takes an unspecified leave of absence from the House of Lords right yeah. so she's, she's on, on a yacht yeah so that Labour then managed to get a vote through the House of Commons requiring the government to hand over all of the financial documents relating to this government contract mm. uh, but it's all now just been tied up in the ongoing inquiry, so, so she's technically is still in the House of Lords. But she, she's, she's just taking the money and run, basically. Yeah, basically. So and she's she never she's, money? she's not been held accountable for Surely it. Surely that money needs to come back into the system, like. So as far as I, because it's, it's essentially it's like fraud, isn't it? Yeah, no, no, it is fraud. Yeah, 
Like it was, it's so been. If you fraudulently obtain money, normally, surely when you get found guilty, of that you'll have to bring that money back to. Yeah, she's basically okay, stolen twenty nine million out of the government coffers, mm. and has got away with it because it, mysteriously. So after December twenty twenty two, yeah, all of the news surrounding it disappears. That's mental. Of course it does. Yeah, it's so it's, corrupt. Like all of this, it shit is, is so corrupt. corrupt. It's mental. Um, but yeah, and I think the, there was loads of these PPE. This is just probably there? the most pertinent one, most pertinent and notable case. There was the, one with um, there was one to Hancock, wasn't there? Yeah, he's like landlord mate or something. Or his fucking brother, his brother-in-law or something managed to get like a couple of million or something. Like, I'm not, I don't know. I don't hold me to that, but yeah. there was something murky. And he's the health secretary. Well, there was WhatsApps back and forth. One they're like, oh, I can do this. Yeah, yeah. Sweet. yeah. And there's, there's legitimate businesses that are pitching to the government, getting absolutely nothing back. Yeah, who are, who are really going to do a good job and provide proper things with proper specifications, um, and he's just like, oh well, I've got his WhatsApp number, so I'll just, um, I'll just, I'll, I'll give him the contract. Yeah, it's like effectively like picking your favorite. Which nepotism, isn't it? It's like picking your favorite mate at the football game, and it? it's like, corruption and nepotism. Yeah, exactly. It's mad. Which um, we in Britain like to associate with kind of third third world countries, quote unquote. But as the as the pandemic highlighted, we're incredibly culpable. We're no yeah, yeah, we're no. We're no different. So that's the PPE scandal. That's not even really funny, really. That's just it's ab- abhorrent, isn't it, to be exactly. honest? That's just ridiculous. And like, the fact that... So she lives on a 154-acre estate on the Isle of Man, which is a known tax haven, in a nine-bedroom mansion. Right. Why isn't she fucking behind bars? Why? She's stolen £29 million from the government. This is the problem. They never go after these fucking massive millionaires, billionaires. I don't know what it is. It's probably just because they're mates. Well, cause, yeah, because well, the rich look after their own, don't they? Yeah. But you, can, but you can guarantee, right, if that was an ordinary bloke off the street and he'd had the government's trousers down, he'd be in fucking Guantanamo Bay Well, he'd be now. in prison and the money would be back in the pot. Yeah. But it's not. It's in her fucking pockets. So that's ridiculous, mate. Um, yeah, but that is, that's like, like you say, it's one example of probably a lot of scandals with that same same vein. Yeah. And, and, and I... Really perversely, we're actually covering this prematurely because no conclusive hard decisions have actually been made about the coronavirus pandemic yet, have they? No, because they know still they, ongoing. They, the current government, the current Tory government, know that they're all just as culpable as each other. So no one actually wants to pull the trigger because it's, it's also, mutually like every, assured. Every five days, there's a new fucking scandal. Yeah, because it's, like, it's mutually assured destruction. Mm. So everyone knows that if they throw someone else under the bus, they will then get tossed under the bus by another yeah, person. Exactly. Um, but it's a bit. It is like you can't really keep up with it because one scandal's getting focused on, and then all of a sudden another one comes out. And yeah, you're like, oh, fucking hell, we've got to juggle these now. Well, it, 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 this you goes can't ba- keep up with this it. This goes back to our good friend Boris Johnson, doesn't it? Yeah, like, towards, I'll, I'll get into towards it. the end of his premiership, you couldn't actually keep up with the scandals. No, like one a day. Because what? Yeah, because the one would just counteract the one from the previous day. Yeah, I think that was what he was relying on towards the end, wasn't it? Yeah. Well. Um, yeah. Right, so are you going anyway. to? Yeah, you going to? That wasn't really a funny one. So I'm sorry if you found no, that this, like boring. We'll try and we'll try not be anti now. This one's quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so Boris, right? But it, I've, I've titled this Boris gets COVID, right? So, <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> I think my mental health peaked posi- for, for for the positive side. Yeah. During during, during these couple of weeks. During these couple yeah. of weeks, I was hoping he was going to snuff it. Right. So this is great. So anyway. Again, I've touched some dates to give some context. So, third of March, right? Boris gives a press conference <laughs> boasting about shaking loads of people's hands in, in, <laughs> in, in, a, in a hospital, right? Um, so he goes, so he goes. If you, if you don't remember the the, um, the co- conference? He goes, I was in a hospital 
couple of weeks ago, a couple yeah. of days ago, and I shake hands with everyone. I think there was some COVID patients there. Shook hands with them all. You'll be happy to know. And then it pans to like Chris Whitty, and he's like shitting himself. He's like, yeah, we we think you wash your hands. Wash your hands is the yeah, yeah. And, and Boris is like, ha ha. Anyway, um, and then on the twenty seventh of March, so about two weeks later, uh, he gets COVID. Right? Yeah. And then uh, he almost dies because he's fat. Yeah, I know why, which we can make of that what you will. Yeah, we're going to get into that. But anyway, so yeah, he gets COVID on the 27th. By like the 3rd of April, he's go, he's taking turn for the worst. By like the 18th of April, he's then going downhill rapidly and he gets admitted to the private hospital wing that he's, that he's obviously the PM's one. And the reason he was so affected is because of his poor physical health. Um, but yeah, he's so, self, so self-induced. Yeah. Like, you're going to shake hands with COVID patients, right? Uh, and it's an airborne disease, right? Uh, and you know that. And then you're going to get COVID. Well, what, two he, weeks later. what he's done there, right, is he's a bit like going on a lad's holiday and boasting about how many fucking rats, birds you've shagged, and then coming home, getting tested, and realise you've got herpes. Yeah, it's like the perfect exercise in karma, isn't it? Yeah, basically. Um, it's like, well, what did you expect, yeah. Boris? So I watched, the, I watched the video that the BBC did, literally almost satirically taking the piss out of him, because it was factual because the BBC, but it was, yeah. like, it was like, this is the day he got... He was boasting about handshaking. This is the day he got COVID. So showing how much of a fucking idiot he is, basically. And these these comments were all three years ago. So they're all like timely. Yeah. All of the comments from the public are positive. Like, oh, get well oh, soon, fuck. Boris. Hope, you, hope you get well. How can you fucking say that? Yeah. He's a fucking idiot. He's a hat. But what what he's trying to do there? So obviously, you know, when there was the uh, there was the AIDS epidemic of the nineteen eighties. Yeah. And Princess Diana won over the hearts of the British public by going into AIDS wards and yeah. shaking hands with AIDS patients. I think yeah. he tried to replicate that. Yeah, but she didn't rail the AIDS, pa- AIDS patients. <laughs> and, and also, AIDS isn't a fucking airborne that's disease. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. She's so, she, 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 Roger them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. So what he's done there is he's taken something at face value, not read into it. Uh, yeah, he does that a lot. And he, yeah, yeah, again, very on brand. Yeah. Again, he's not, he's not kind of executed the hearts and minds of Roger. Much is the, the kind of the public... I don't know sway they've got for for Boris Johnson that even when you show them like this is what he did it was his fault and then he got COVID because he was an idiot they're still positive about him it's mental that did I that did find that really jarring because for ages these stubborn Boris supporters just couldn't see anything other than like a saint like figure could they yeah and you'd always get the the argument of oh yeah but he's doing the best he can it's like right. Right, that's he's the fucking useless. prime minister of the country. Do you know what I mean? He's not the manager of your kids' under ten football team. Yeah, you know he's not he's doing it out of the goodness of his job. Is. He's not doing it out the goodness of his own heart in his spare time. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, that was my second one anyway. Boris gets COVID uh, and pretty much almost dies as a result. Right, this, this is good because this leads into my next one, which good. is arguably the fucking most omnishambolic of all of my points. Right. This is the Barnard Castle scandal. Oh, this is mental. Do you remember this? Mm. This was quite early on when this was this was like pre kind of PPE and Partygate scandal. So this was like it's this was like the that. this was like the palate cleanser, wasn't it? Really. Yeah, yeah. This is the first. This is the first, first scandal, really. So if you're not familiar with this, you've forgotten about it. This was when Dominic Cummings, who was then the chief advisor to Boris Johnson, he was just, he was basically running the government, yeah. and, and Boris Johnson was just his puppet. He drove from. Westminster in London to Barnard Castle in County Durham which is where he had a property whilst displaying symptoms of Covid and his missus had Covid and his missus had Covid and various other people in kind of the inner circle at number 10 had Covid 
he drove there effectively to test his eyesight, apparently. Yeah, so he drove four hours down, and, down, the, rest. and the rest. Probably yes. like five hours. He's yeah. driven five hours against official government advice, which he came up with yeah. so, so to I, test his eyesight. How you can test your eyesight? Right, I'm going to operate heavy machinery <laughs> for five hours. Right. <laughs> Br- yeah. Who briefed him on that press conference? That was mental, isn't it? But like, that's, that's what I mean. Like now, when you look back on that, you think, how, how fucking lewd? But then, obviously, because of the government and the way that they operate, there were weird ministers out to defend him. I know. Yeah, and they, they all pretty much had to go back on it, didn't they? Yeah, and when it when it emerged, obviously that what he'd done a few months after it had happened, you know, Boris Johnson refused to actually sack him. Yeah. So he stayed in position. It wasn't till later when they had the massive fallout and he resigned that he actually left the government. He resigned and then came out saying how shit everything was. Yeah. Basically. Um, which is fair because it was but yeah I mean he, that was that was ridiculous like so he went from basically one county in the country to a completely separate one <laughs> at opposite ends of the country with with a uh, it was his wife's birthday wasn't it yeah that, so it was basically was, under so, the guise if they wanted to fuck off from London to celebrate his wife's birthday yeah go and see a, a national treasure or whatever with Barnard Castle but that was um, that was the actual reason because he wanted to go and treat his wife yeah. After they've worked so hard in inverted commas. But as we were saying, this goes this went against all the official government guidance which at the time. Which was stay at home. He's showing signs of coronavirus, self isolate for what was it like two weeks or something mental. Yeah, it was proper it was, yeah. it was it was mad then because no one really knew the strength of it. Yeah, so you've traversed the length of the country yeah. with your entire family. I think he's def- one of his defences was yeah, we had the windows open there. Yeah, yeah. Again, right. Okay. So now you now you're spreading the virus as you travel up the Down country. The so you're not even hermetically sealed in your vehicle anymore. Yeah. I mean, that you're was, just coughing on passers-by as you drive past. That was ridiculous. Right. The camera wrapped, which is becoming all too common now, unfortunately. But we were gobbing off about Dominic Cummings, weren't we? Yeah. That we pretty much wrapped up that point. Basically, he's a massive helmet. Then he threw his toys out the pram uh, when yeah. it all went south. And, uh, and he left in a hissy fit. Blamed the government for everything, which is fair, because everyone does. Yeah. Well, we can thank him for Brexit and our terrible dealing with the pandemic. Again, he's not been held to account for his actions, which, no. is, which is very on brand. Still rich and still probably living living his life. Um, we'll have some cushy private sector job now, won't we? Yeah, as they all do. So my next one is a, a big one, and he's quite pertinent in the current time. Um, number three, Partygate with Boris. Right, yeah, okay. So, so we, so have, we have ended up with three different ones each. This is good. good. So we talk, covered this a little bit in Helmet of the Week when we put Boris' Helmet of the Week. So we'll, we'll run through it a little bit quicker, I reckon. Um, yeah. So essentially, the strength of it is <laughs> there was loads of parties at Downing Street during during COVID when everyone else couldn't see their family and was like FaceTiming their, their nan. Yeah. Um, and then Boris was pitched, you know, they were set, they said, was the, was the parties at Downing Street? And he went, nah. Uh, yeah. And then they went, well, there was parties down the street. We found photos. They went, okay, there was, but I wasn't there. And then the next bit was, okay, well, we've, we found photos of you at the party. <laughs> that uh, you said didn't happen, that have now And happened. you weren't there. And, yeah. and, 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 <laughs> and then he was like, right. So I was there, but uh, <laughs> but but I didn't think they were parties because you can't ascertain what a party is and what a business meeting is, yeah. apparently. One of them has tinsel and beer. One of them doesn't. Um, <laughs> and, then, and then they were like, right, so there were parties, but you didn't know there were parties, uh, but all the guidance was followed. Yeah, uh, and, then, and then he was like, actually, we found photos of you not following the guidance. So so all of his defence, all of his rebuttals have been uh, found to be what false. It, it went even further and, than and that. And he still was, still was denying it. It went even further than that, didn't it? Because it was like, so turns out you're at these parties that didn't happen, but then did happen. 
and it turns out you weren't following the protocols even though you said you were following the protocols and then he was like oh when I found out that the protocols weren't being followed I left the party yeah right yeah so how many flip flops has he done there no, no, there's well, at least four it. or five this is it mate he's, he's always um, he's like we said in the last one he's, he's getting through the next five seconds it's the five second strategy five let, him, second let him down there again hasn't yeah, it not I mean, for the first time not for the first time it's, it's what makes him cheat on his misses you know yeah. it's what, it does all this sort of stuff but anyway so um, yeah Boris essentially he's heading it up I mean everyone else had the parties right and they're all at fault too however he was in charge so the book stocks, stocks yeah you lead in. by example you are a leader you lead the country yeah, so if you're not following your own advice why are normal people like me and you also going to follow the government advice exactly and so he was both complicit in it and responsible for the parties and then was asked about it and lied so it, it does centre around Boris uh, and he did have parties and he was at the parties and the guidance wasn't followed so. yeah and as we said earlier like none of this really has been kind of set out in stone yet they're still trying to unpick no, what think, actually went on I think the party thing was he was found yes, the party gate that, report it? but it's still going on within the actual Covid inquiry itself and again no one's been held accountable for this no the, the furthest accounts people's been held to is they got fined didn't they fined and fired yeah so like the Met Police have issued fines to individuals that were present which is fucking nothing to them which is bullshit yeah, yeah. anyway uh, um, yeah so you're number three yeah, so my number three is obviously, and this is a, it's it is a funny one, but it isn't a funny one because at the same time he was health secretary at the time. This is the Hancock affair. Yeah, this is funny. This is funny because he's. Say. If you've seen the video, it is it's. I, I watched it again, and I won't sleep tonight because I did watch it. It's gopping. It's horrible. It's it? fucking. The way he's fucking. It's so seedy. It's so seedy, and he's he's getting some squeezes in from behind he's disgusting yeah, it's like he knows where the camera is yeah, yeah it's actually rang it's horrible he's got, um, a, he's got like oh it makes my skin crawl because like he was in prop, love though lad they're proper necking off aren't they like yeah. he's proper digging out on her mouth do you reckon they fucking shagged in there yeah definitely they've seen it they're having an affair on that camera yeah and there's like various times during this pandemic as well where he was interviewed and saying obviously like, that, like you're not allowed basically to to fucking bag off, bag off yeah. unless it's like your partner there was that spouse. rule for a bit wasn't there that was mental yeah. and he's literally he's bagging off his assistant yeah while his, his missus while his wife's at home while he's supposed to be leading us through a fucking global yeah. pandemic so he's, he's actually and his, his response at the time was at the time of the actual video going live um, he what the guidance wasn't that you couldn't yeah. do that and it's like, yeah, but this affair had been on for like six months, mate. Right, so yeah. what were you doing beforehand? But like a smoke no, kissing before marriage. Aside from the actual global pandemic that's going on at the time, what about the moral argument? You're having an affair? Yeah, true. It's completely he's, he's married with that. three kids. Completely scared to Then he was like, yeah, but it, I was in love and, you know, this is what love does to people. It's like, yeah, but you're still a shithouse because you should have told your missus you had. Yeah. But of all the people that are culpable in this pandemic, I think it's fair to say that karma, to a certain extent, has got Matt Hancock. But equally, he's still got it fucking... Oh no, he, he went through a terrible time, relatively, because he was obviously everyone's laughing stock, rightly so. But other than but being a laughing he, stock, yeah, but he rode it back and went on fucking arm. Right, this is what we need to talk about now. The and fact he got that paid he's, like four hundred grand. The fact that he's now cosplaying an influencer. Yeah. Now that his political off, career has gone down the toilet, so what happened was he resigned as health secretary, but carried on as an MP yeah. for the Conservative Party. He then. Went on I'm a Celebrity, 
War, right. war getting paid as war an MP. War getting paid as an MP. In response to that, the Tory government removed the whip from him. So mm. that basically means that you're not affiliated with the Tory party in Parliament anymore. Yeah. So I think he's still a member of a Conservative party, but he can't, like, they basically don't have anything to do with him. So he's an independent now. So he's useless. But the fact of the matter is, no, he's still an independent MP. Right. He's just not affiliated to the Tory party anymore. Yeah. But this we, is the problem is, we, he was supposed to be working as a fucking yeah, MP. Yeah, but... That doesn't cover up the fact that, like you said, he's basically gone on a holiday that he got paid £320,000 yeah. for, right? Yeah, but, right, so, <laughs> so yeah, that's one thing. He's also getting, like, his 80 grand a year salary as an MP at that time. Yeah. And he's reasoning because the reason that he went on it then and not before or whatever, he goes, oh, well, I'm going out now because now the government's stable. In what world is the government? Right, yeah, so that's bullshit. And also, right, he claimed beforehand that he was going to donate his fee to charity. Do you know how much he donated of it? How much? 10 grand. He's a cunt. 10 grand of the 320,000 that he got. He's a fucking knobhead. He's a massive cunt. And I bring to light that fucking. You see that thing that came out ages ago? We spoke about it. The um, Skype thing where he got caught out. Yeah, that quasi quarter. Yeah, basically selling. Famous interview. So so if you haven't seen this, this fake. Uh, this is a scandal I completely forgot about. Yeah, so I thought I'd bring it up. So this fake news account, uh, or fake journalist account, was like, uh, interviewing, or it sent out to about 16 MPs, conservative MPs. And no, like it, was a, it was a consultancy firm, wasn't yeah. it? Who wanted, like, Poli- key, keynote, geopolitical, key, geopolitical keynote speakers and advisors. Yeah, advisors it was. And it was like a, a monthly fee or whatever. And so they sent out this, like, job search to about 16 MPs. MPs that were, like, Labour and... Labour and Conservative, and about three of them got back saying, yeah, they'd be interested. And they booked him in for a call for an um, interview. <laughs> and bear in mind, all this is a fake, and the call is being recorded through the webcam, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Well, they don't know this. And then they're fucking leading them into these these fucking... Yeah, they're just reeling them in, aren't they? Like, yeah. It's and so they're like, so, setting a trap. So, yeah, how much, uh, so how much would you kind of want for this? What can you offer? And so they're obviously giving their best spiel as to what yeah. they've done in the past. And bear in mind, they're all absolutely... Like disgraced MPs, they're yeah. all terrible. Well, well, no Labour MPs took the bait. No, it was shot. all Conservative MPs. Yeah, so quasi quasi thing. He basically fucking ruined the country. Yeah, um, even though he's supposed to be an economic fucking one, miracle worker, make of that what you will. Yeah, and then like we said, Matt Hancock, who's proper disgraced himself, were were both blowing their own trumpets saying how hoofing they were, yeah. and then and then and then they were like, oh, how much how much do you charge for what's your hourly rate and that. Um, and wasn't it like £1,500 an hour? Absolutely yeah. fucking ludicrous. Both of them pitched the same thing as if they were like, you know, in, in cahoots with each other. Um, and they were like, yeah, about £1,500 an hour I'd want. Mate, £1,500 an hour for Matt Hancock. I wouldn't pay that to piss on the bloke. I might. <laughs> well, actually, I was going to say I might. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, imagine like being that incompetent, but still having the front to charge ten grand a day. That is for fucking lit. I'd completely forgotten about that, you know. Mate, the fact that they got they were caught in four K as well. I know. So, and still, but again, what, where did that go? That exactly, scandal mate. in any normal functioning democratic government, that would be front and centre for months, and they would be properly held accountable for effectively saying they'd sell the government that they work for down the river in exchange for money. Yeah, and and take on bear in mind their job at the moment is to steady the country. The country's fucked. Yeah, you're taking out a second job while, the, co- taking, while, the, yeah. while the country's gone down the pan. You're taking but... a second job and you've already got loads of money. Anyway, that was mental. Because... That was, well, Matt Hancock now, aside from being a fucking hat, he's also an author because he released that Pandemic Diaries book. Yeah. Right, Karma got him there. Do you know how many copies he sold in the first week? Um, 3,000. Fuck off, that's terrible. 
You know, you get about a pound a copy. Yeah. That. That's Jane Smith as well. It's pretty yeah. So apparently it entered the charts in the first week at like 190 and then a week later it wasn't even in the top 1,000. That's perfect. I love that. <laughs> but annoyingly... I released a book of fucking <laughs> Annoyingly, right. He's now a fucking TikTok influencer, isn't he? Oh, yeah. Do you know how many Ma- followers he's got? You know how many followers he's got on TikTok? How many? 200k. Yeah, he's in if, if you're one of the hats, right, out there who follows Matt Hanger on TikTok, Take a long, hard look at yourself in the mirror. And go and unfollow. And go and unfollow. Because yeah. you you are equally as much of a helmet as him. Well, I don't know about that. But yeah, he, he's fucking horrendous. The last TikTok I saw of him, before I like diluted my algorithm with people, was um, <laughs> him rating alcohol. Like, why do right. I want to see that cunt rate fucking beers, mate? Can we just appreciate how shit being on the session with Matt Hancock would be? What did you talk to him about? Bearing in mind, the bloke has got the social skills of a fucking school shooter. Have you seen how weird he is? This was on, I was watching a Russell Howard, um, you know, Russell Howard Hour. Yeah, yeah. Um, compilation. And it's like, all of, all of man got wrongdoings. And he's like, look how weird the bloke is. Is there a video that pops up? Um, and he's stood next to this female reporter, you might have seen it. And he's like, uncomfortably close to her. Yeah. And he's like, looking at her, like, looking at her up and down, like she's like, a piece of meat, mate. It's horrible. Oh. While like you know, while they're getting introduced or whatever, yeah. it's like that. Like oh yeah, and it's it's like it wasn't just that he was in love and he was like, you know, cheating on his for that reason. He's an actual creep, mate. Yeah, he's a creep. You, you can't be. That's just horrible. That little video. If you go and watch um if you type in Russell Howard, Matt Hancock, I'm sure it'll come up. It's fucking hilarious. He's the kind of bloke, right, that would go out clubbing on his own as like a middle-aged bloke, and but then like try and latch on to a group of much younger people. Girls. You know, yeah, girls like thinking that he was like relatable and that they were his presence. Like yeah, you won't get that. Yeah, that fucking incredibly niche cultural reference. <laughs> no one else is going to get that reference. But imagine a, a German teacher from secondary school <laughs> who was rather, rather perverted. Okay, that's a bit. That's a bit like the strength. But I, I always wonder what these people would do and what they'd be like. If they had, if they hadn't got politics, hadn't got like fame, notoriety. Well, this is the thing. Though, I think they'd be hunted down by people. <laughs> yeah, Jen. Well, that's the thing. But because they were, because they were so privileged to have a private education, they've insulated themselves effectively from ever having to function in normal society. It's crazy. They can just operate in their own little privileged bubble, can't they? You know what's mad? I've just remembered as well. The boycott from this morning that the Conservative Party did. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, you can't just be the cons- like you can't just be the leading party. No, but they do. And just say I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna have an interview with that the biggest fucking news channel in the world that get in the country no, that gets the most ratings. I don't want to be held to account by Piers Morgan who's actually going to challenge me on but, things. But you know that how that was a scandal at the time. Mm. That's just common practice now because Rishi mental. Rishi Sunak only takes questions from the papers that back the Tory Party. That. He started doing it, you know, you know, because yeah. it turns out he's not steady in the ship and it's all gone down the toilet again. Yeah, he use? stopped taking questions from people that are going to criticise him in, pre- in press conferences. That, that's fucking mental, isn't it? <laughs> so he's like, they're, they're a sea of hands and he'll pick on, like, he'll go, not you, not you, yeah, the one at the back. Yeah. yeah. Rishi, why are you doing such a good job? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question and I'll answer it now. <laughs> fucking hat. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. No, not you, not you, the one behind no, not you, pays yeah. my bill. Rishi, why are you a cunt? Yeah, not, not you, <laughs> not the one behind. <laughs> they got sick of that when the pandemic, when everyone was calling them fucking knobheads. Um, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. But anyway, that was a bit of tangents there, but obviously but we like well, a tangent. That's yeah. my three. Uh, I've got, yeah, that's my three as well. I think we also need to cover the NHS clapping. Oh, yeah. And the fact that it came to light that the NHS was wonderful and one of the greatest things to ever come out of Britain 
But yeah, as soon as the pandemic was over, we decided that nurses didn't deserve a pay rise. Yeah. Well, uh, not not us individually. The government decided that they weren't worth. It's the fact that the clapping was such a shit. Such token a token gesture, yeah. wasn't it? I, I actually refused to take part in it. Not because I don't agree with the NHS. Like I couldn't, you know, I couldn't even begin to imagine how hard it must have been to be a frontline worker during I, the I pandemic. Horrendous. I just and saw, even even before, like, before I just that. saw through the bullshit straight away. That's why I didn't take part in it. Mate, it's just ridiculous. Like, what are they going to appreciate more? A little bit of a pay rise, which actually makes a difference to their life, or clapping? Yeah. I, I figured pretty early on that the best gift I could give to NHS workers was not to clap on my drive every Thursday at 8 o'clock, but instead vote out the Conservative <laughs> government and vote for a government that was going to give them a pay rise. Yeah, exactly. So, again, linking back to working in hospitals for last, last um, lockdown... Like seeing, I'd never really spent much time in hospital. Luckily, I've been decent with my health for my whole life. But the HGAs, you know, the people underneath nurses who, you know, kind of help out and basically put, hold everything together. Do a lot of the heavy lifting, effectively. All the heavy lifting. So seeing those people who are on minimum wage, pretty much like twenty one grand, yeah. shit basically, and they're literally dealing with horrendous things on a daily basis. And at the they're, time, they're seeing, as well so much mate it's but, like that must leave such an impression on yeah. those individuals and they get paid fuck all for it it's but, like they're at war at the time as well in the height of the pandemic they were doing it in full PPE they were basically like mate it's copying they're running around like a blue arse fly in a hospital effectively wearing a flat jacket yeah you're just fucking it, dripping for 8 it hours it was horrible I had to wear some of them some of that, those bits when I was in certain areas in the hospital I couldn't wait to take that so shit you, off. It's like your bomb disposal, mate. Yeah. There's so much shit you're wearing. It's after like 30 like, degrees. Yeah, after like four, 45 minutes, I was hanging out, yeah, mate. Yeah. And these nurses are there, like eight-hour shifts, like still still cracking on. Like and you've got to provide mate. a service of care to people whilst you're hanging this out as well. This is the other thing as well. So obviously they're doing mad shit and they're, they're getting paid fuck all, like compensated really badly for it. But also their like demeanour while they're dealing yeah. with the, the, the customers, the um, patients... He's absolutely fantastic. Like, yeah. it's awesome. Patience so if of the any same. of you are listening, fucking congratulations. You're doing an amazing job. Yeah. Um, I don't think you are, but maybe you are. He might be listening to this He's probably one. too busy fucking actually grafting instead of just gobbing off on a podcast like we yeah, do. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> true. But yeah, keep, keep doing what you're doing because you're doing a fucking awesome job. Um, yeah, that's my that's my three. It's my two pence. Yeah, that's the, that's the same with me, really. I think they were my standout points. I mean, a lot of shit happened. It all kind of blurred into one. Yeah. Kind of... Hopefully we provided some nostalgia for you there. And, yeah, this um, was very much coming from the perspective of nostalgia, wasn't yeah. it? The inspiration behind this episode. We didn't want to get too bogged down, bogged down in the fact that it was a global pandemic and obviously a lot of people died. Yeah. Because um, obviously that is horrendous. Because also that's pretty obvious. Yeah. Um, and it's covered in the mainstream media, which we are, we are not. Uh, are we going to introduce the new segment? Yes. Okay. Awesome. Right, so we've got a new segment. Uh, yeah, so I'll be honest, it's not, it's, not the most, it's not the most original idea, but it is an no, idea, no. and you should remember that. Exactly, but I think it will, will pro- make for some good listening. Um, so, underrated, overrated, you obviously know the fucking crap behind this. We're each going to pick one thing, and we're going to decide between us whether it's underrated or whether it's overrated. Yeah, so we come into this blind every week. We yeah. each come armed with something that we think we can pitch, and then we decide on air live what we think. Yeah. Right, so do you want to go first? Okay. I'll go first. So, my uh, my underrated overrated is going for one beer. Uh, massively fucking overrated. I agree. So who I'm, the fuck goes for one beer? Yeah. You go for a beer to get fucking cunted, lad. Exactly. So this is the problem. So a lot of people after work will like either have one in their house, which is fucking no no use to anyone. That's the or worst. Or they'll so. go and have like one or two pints at the local pub. Like, 
You can, you've got to have more about you than that. To be fair though, we don't do half measures as people. We're either a fuck yes or a fuck no. Well, that's that's what so, you've got to be. Like. So we're either sober or we binge drink effectively. Yeah, but as long as you don't binge drink regularly, like multiple yeah. times a week, that's sound. That's what you want. That's what you want to be because drinking like one or two a night is going to fuck with your sleep. So yeah. you're going to be in a net negative position ne- the next day. A lot of people go through go through the week gen- genuinely because they have like three or four pints or like two or three glasses of wine or whatever without proper sleep and they get go through the week like intoxicated the entire week but it's, it's mad which is shit middle ground though and this is why I can't get on board with it because if you're just having like two or three pints a night on your own at home you're not getting the ben- you're not getting the social benefits of being out you know with your mate socialised and having a laugh you're not getting the benefits of being intoxicated you're just effectively like you're just, you're just sedating yourself to the detriment of your physical and mental health Yeah. for no real gain as far yeah. as I can see exactly it's mad and um, don't give me the bullshit that you like the taste no one likes these the taste these shit continental lagers that people drink on their own at home like Stella taste of fuck all they taste shit is what they do. yeah they taste goppy I'd water mate like imagine drinking a carling on your sofa at like yeah. 6pm but the thing is so like un- unlike certain parts of central Europe like France and Italy we haven't managed to successfully integrate drinking into our culture do you know what I mean well, we're no, very much a binge drink so like you know how the French will enjoy a nice glass of chilled wine with their tea or something yeah and the same in Italy and like the kids have a glass of wine and it's part of the so- it's part like of the, the social picture. fabric yeah but they have one that's that's what I mean, but in Britain, you our equivalent of that is a bald middle-aged bloke who's overweight having a lonely Stella on a sofa. Well, I saw this loads in my PT career, right? So people, I'd, I'd, I'd quiz people about their diets, obviously, when they come in. And they'd be like, I'll be honest, I don't know what's happening. Like, I'm eating pretty well. Like People generally know what's bad for them. They don't, they don't eat terribly. They, yeah. If they're trying to lose weight, they'll make a concerted effort to cook or whatever. So they'll eat fairly well. And I'm like, okay, how about drinking? And they're like, oh, to be fair, yeah. I, I do have, I do have yeah. a bit and, and that they'll genuinely have they'll share between them and the missus like a bottle of wine at night yeah. and I'll do the maths I'm like, I'll be like right so that's an extra like 3,000 yeah, calories so you, a week what you've there. done there is you've got 3,000 unaccounted calories there yeah exactly and that's a pound of fat a week there you go Job that, and, that, and that is why you're not pound, seeing any progress 50 pounds a year that's your but, but, that's but, your but because it doesn't like a hamburger people don't think that it's going to add weight to them no I know because it's liquid calories yeah. but the, the worst thing is a hamburger you can actually utilise for energy. Yeah. Uh, the carbohydrates you get in alcohol, you can't use for So the body can't actually utilise them, so it just stores them straight away. And it should, be remembered, it should be remembered that alcohol is actually a toxin. Yeah. So your body can't really break it down properly. No, exactly. That's what I mean. Yeah, so it just stores it. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so yeah. Massively overrated. Massively overrated. Okay, your turn. Your right, turn. this is going to be a good one. It'll probably end up as a clip. Right. My overrated, underrated is cricket. Right. So okay. at the time of recording now, we're in the second test of the Ashes series, and I've recently got into cricket. I'm kind of I'm flirting with the idea of being a cricket nose, you right. know, because it's very on brand for me. I like being a nose about things. Yeah, it's yeah. Very, it's you're, very on brand. For and me. you're you're very still in the anti cricket camp. Aren't yeah, you? I I'm in the overrated camp for sure on this. I think you're in the underrated so, well, camp. Well, I'm still on the fence, right? Because okay. I'm still kind of I'm flirting with the idea. Do you know what I, I mean? I say you've done more research on the topic. I think cricket falls into the camp of it's an acquired taste. I don't mm. think anyone naturally enjoys test cricket, especially. Yeah, it's a lot of standing around for me. A, but, you know me as an ADHD. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's know, so it's, not. It's, so, it's the antithesis of what you're about. It's not what it? I need. I've just had a fucking thing flash up the Ashes live, right? Yeah. Here. <laughs> uh, how on point is that? Yeah, um, literally. Right, so, yeah, for me, things need to happen quicker. Right, so I'll, I'll have baseball, I can watch that. Can watch football, obviously rugby, good to go. I love sport. 
But because for a mix, I mean, of, the... a mix of reasons, there's not much physical exertion going on. They right? wear fucking jumpers, lads. Exactly. Mate. What kind of sport do you wear a fucking thick woolen jumper? Yeah, I mean the the main the main thing is that you have good hand-eye coordination. Brilliant. Um, to be fair, some of the, a lot of like if, if you want to be good at batting and fielding, like. The main skill on display here in cricket really is hand-eye coordination. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. if you're getting a ball hurled at you at the best part of 100 miles an hour and you can whack it for a six, yeah. like that's pretty impressive, to yeah, be fair. Yeah, it's true. So like, there is an appreciation to be had for that. But I, I, at the same time, they stop for drinks breaks every 10 minutes. And and if I, it rains, they fucking off. <laughs> yeah. I can't be on, I can't get you, on board with that. <laughs> this is the other, so like, I listen to Test Match Special like, while I'm working and stuff. So like, if you get the first... Like the first droplet of wine happens, you get this right, and that is the sound of the massive fucking hover, the hover heater coming onto the pitch to keep it warm. You know, while the rain comes down. Such so, a gentrified sport. <laughs> I know, Fuck yeah. off, mate! Like, go through some adversity, you fucking hat, cricket hats. They genuinely, like, it's literally written into the structure of the day. They stop for tea. It's bollocks. Like. Scones and tea in the pavilion. The right? only thing I can get a ball with cricket for this is my one one <laughs> thing is, is if I'm going there at Edbaston to get pissed. Mm. So I think this is right. So we, I think we've agreed that at some point we're going to go to Edgebaston yeah, and watch that might like convert me. we'll watch like a T20 match or like a hundred match, which is like thick and fast, mm. and we'll just get leathered. Yeah, that's fine. I can deal with that because I'm not an expert, but according to a lot of people, Edgebaston as well, which is our kind of nearest Local. biggest cricket ground in Birmingham is one of the best cricket atmospheres in the world apparently yeah you'll be an expert soon don't worry I'll be, yeah, I'll be, I'll be a winkle picker soon don't worry <laughs> yeah uh, okay cool so I'm probably not fully in the overrated camp there we'll I'm, call I'm, it we'll, I'm, we'll say it's overrated for now yeah but, but we'll, until, we'll re- until, re- until we've been to one then we'll, we'll, we'll revisit another, it another revisit yeah but that's it that's the new segment so I hope you enjoyed that we'll come uh, come on with one every every week and that's quite good yeah yeah, yeah. right and now so on to the final segment we've got three now with yeah, tri- trifecta of segments right, uh, cool. reasons to be cheerful yeah so we've got one this week but it's, um, it's a bit selfish a little bit selfish but I mean it will serve <laughs> you at some point yeah because you're going to get some good content out of it effectively that's your end of the deal exactly uh, so we've decided that very much like our 18 year old brains want us to um, we're going to go interrailing around Europe uh, in August yeah so I've basically had a quarter life crisis I was 25 the other week haven't I and we decided to do a kind of condensed interrailing trip over the space of like three weeks yeah because we realised right that we live in obviously live in Europe and we haven't seen probably 80% of it there, is a, there are a wealth of treasures on our doorstep and yeah. we haven't seen any of them and also if you've never looked into interrailing I'm, re- I'm recently become, becoming a fan it's crazy, right? It's so, so cheap mate, compared we to were going to at, like a gap here in Southeast Asia, isn't we're it? We're not like, even that looking at flights the other day to like Croatia. Yeah, package holidays now aren't even affordable. Terrible, mate. I, I don't know if it was just the dates we were looking at, right? But the dates we were looking were minimum like four hundred pound for for like t- ticket to Cyprus or wherever, mate. A twenty-two day interrailing trip around Europe, unlimited travel. You can go anywhere on trains. in three weeks. Yeah on trains is £350 yeah and it's not like Britain where the trains don't work and there are half of them are cancelled like the train lines in Europe are fucking Gucci mate yeah and go, you go to like the proper the the good places you go to like yeah. Prague Budapest all these places that you would actually want to go it's not like you end up in some fucking in back mood <laughs> <laughs> yeah but anyway that's enough of us gobbing off about the fucking admin behind the holiday <laughs> basically what what's good for you and why it's a reason to be cheerful is we're going to take the podcast on tour effectively yes we're not going to have a three week sabbatical 
we're going to take the camera and the mic with us and every week we'll sit down wherever we can yeah. uh, and film uh, an episode and get it out to you and obviously that episode will be recounting the admin of the week yeah so what's gone wrong what's gone right assuming all goes to plan we're going to do three weeks so you will get an episode a week so it will be a three-part european podcast trip effectively uh we're probably also going to try and vlog the occasion as well yeah uh so that'll probably end up on the rummy brothers youtube page stay tuned for that but yeah effectively we're gonna fucking piss around in europe for three weeks and then try and monetize it for our own game. <laughs> now I am going to work in, in while we're in Europe, so don't, don't be don't worry about that. I'm still going to be yeah. all over it because I figured out that on the actual track, most of my work is laptop based on the actual trains, which is all of the travel. I want to be able to work, so it's be cool. Um, but yeah, so if you are you know stuck with where to go this summer, look into interrailing because it's fucking cheap and it's class. Yeah, by all accounts. And equally, if any of you got any travel recommendations for Europe, or there are places that you want to see us go to and basically send it there, then let us know. Good shout. Because we are open to offers. We've deliberately said that we're not going to structure it too rigidly. Yeah, because we want to see where the wind takes us. Anyway, like you say, enough was going about going off about yeah. uh, about our travels. Um, we that's it, really. Isn't it? That's yeah, it. That's that is podcast. a wrap. That's it. Job done. Um, cool. So that was our COVID episode. Hope you enjoyed that. I hope there's some brought up some memories. Good or bad, let us know in the comments. Um, but yeah, what's the next one? Do we know? Not sure yet. Okay, we'll decide that. Uh, if you've got any requests, uh, bang them in the comments, wherever, wherever you're listening. But other than that, we'll see you next week. Bye.